Hello everybody and welcome to Cane and Rinse Sound of Play 28.
sound of play, we bring you an eclectic fortnightly mixtape of some of our and your favourite pieces from the many sublime and ridiculous video game soundtracks we've enjoyed and endured over the decades. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this sound of play are Darren Gargett. I'm swaying. And Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Hello. So, we opened there with a bit of a cheat because many times I've said, you know, we ask for your requests and we still want them. Uh, head over to canorince.com slash forum and put in your picks for future sound of plays or sounds of play, sound of plays. Uh, and I always say no licensed tracks, please. But we've bent the rules there with that opening track, lovely as it was. Uh, that was requested by uh, Scrussell, a regular poster on our forum, who says uh, this song from Braid is actually a licensed track, as is the whole soundtrack. But it is so closely associated with the game and it fits so well that I don't think it really matters. Downstream is a brilliant folk track with lots of strings. It has a sense of eeriness to it, but also a great upbeat feeling too. And I agreed, and he twisted my arm. <clears throat> so we've he heard uh, Shira or Shira Kamen's uh, lilting piece that uh, I'm sure most of us... Uh, you know, I even listened to some sort of uh, fairly obscure folk and stuff in my spare time, but I, I wasn't aware of that track before before playing Braid, and now I completely associate it with the, the, the whimsical but slightly eerie and melancholic opening to that game. Uh, any other fans of the Brain... Brain? Brain. <clears throat> any other fans of the Braid soundtrack among us in this show? No, I've never really played Braid. I've really? tried. I've tried, and I, yeah, I feel like I should get on it and finish mm. it. But there's just something about it that doesn't really click with me. I've tried twice, and therefore the music doesn't really sit in my head. Bounced off it. Interestingly, mm. like Braid always seems like a game that I, uh, based on you know my tastes, I should like. Mm. But I don't really like Braid. I have to say. Uh, and the music's part of it as well. Uh, for for whatever reason, it just doesn't click with me. Oh, okay. Well, I do like the music. I've never finished the game. And as you can hear, this is probably why, although it's been requested <clears throat> a number of times from uh, by the community that we should do a Braid podcast, it's certainly a game that's on the very, very long list that is now well over a 1,000 games strong. Um, but spoiler, I'm afraid it won't be coming up in, in the next year either because we've already decided our next 50 podcasts and Braid is not among them. And, and I think we've just really given you the reason why. None of us have really <laughs> managed to – well, not none of us, none of, none of us three here. Um, and I think, uh, I think there are one or two people on the team who have finished it. But for whatever reason, a few of us have bounced off it. It may be, of course, that when we finally do get round to tackling it, that will make it one of the most interesting Hmm. Uh, discussions, especially if we can persuade some of those, those uh, like Darren and Josh who haven't really enjoyed what they have played, if they could get to the end of it and then talk about it, that would perhaps be more interesting. So there's always that incentive, fellas, eh? eh? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd give it another shot. I've watched Indie Game the movie a few times. You know, I, I'm really interested in Jonathan Blow's, you know, outlook on games. Um, I just, yeah, I just can't, I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I got, I've got about halfway, but uh, but it started to get a bit obscure for me. But there are so many people on my friends list who have, you know, got every puzzle piece uh, mm. that I, I don't think it, it can't be beyond me. Surely not. Uh, but it does hurt my head a little bit, I must admit. Anyway, on to something uh, much simpler for us simpletons. Uh, a game uh, of from the, the Mario and Luigi RPG series, as mm. they're known in Japan. And this was the most recent one until now, until this year. This was, well, this was 2013. Uh, Dream Team or Dream Team Brothers or Bros. Bros. Uh, if you Brothers. If <laughs> Bros. If you're, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're in Europe. Uh, so, uh, yeah, try, try again, Darren? Hmm. Yeah, so when I did my first half marathon last year in Birmingham, I compiled my own video game, uh, you know, marathon playlist, and this was one of them. Uh, it featured in the 3DS version of Smash Brothers, and I really liked it. And I was like, where's, where's this from? So as you do, you scroll through the, the credits that seem more than any other game endless in Smash Brothers, because they have every Nintendo, you know, license and soundtrack and just... It's just a massive Nintendo compilation for fanboys, um, as well as a, as, as a good party game. But yeah, Try Try Game was in there, and I was like, I can't remember what game that's from, but it's got a really good snappy beat, and it's really fast moving, and it helps you, you know, if you're a runner, it helps you, you know, move to the beat. Much like um, Dan Rodriguez's track from Rumbo uh, recently mm -hmm. played on this very podcast, or this yeah. series of podcasts. Yeah, but it's, I was doing, again, the Birmingham Half Marathon listening to that Rumbo track, and it was such an adrenaline 
boost that it made me tear up like because the the, <laughs> the the energy expending for running is is yeah. uh, it's crazy so when that track came on and i got all the goosebumps from this track i never heard before i it just reminded me of try try again doing the similar thing where i was such a down moment in my half marathon that when this track came on, it just picked me up and it's amazing what music can do. Like it can touch, you know, most senses. And this one was definitely the, the try, try again aspect of me running through a half marathon. It's like, come on, like you've got another mile, try and try again. And it all kind of just fit together. Um, this is from Mario and Luigi dream team bros. And it's, um, my, my, <laughs> I did it then without even thinking. <laughs> it's just natural. And this is from the, uh, the battle music. And, uh, yeah, I really like uh, the whole series. I like Mario and Luigi and Paper Mario, and I'm really excited for the new one that's coming out uh, next month in Europe, like you say. Um, yeah, I just... I, I always flip between do I like Paper Mario or Mario and Luigi more, but at the end of the day, it's a bit of a pointless argument. But they I are like merging... Well, yeah, that's it, yeah, but the sticker style was a bit of a letdown, so I'm hoping mm. that the Paper Mario influence doesn't ruin... Uh, Paper Jam, as but it's quite the same team who make the Mario and Luigi games, isn't it? It's not yes. by the Paper Mario team, uh, no. So it should be a, another. Con- it, although it brings in some of the uh, elements, the, the the Paper Mario elements mm-hmm. uh, of the gameplay, it's actually put together by the the fairly uh, consistent Mario and Luigi team. So yeah. I, I doubt you'd have anything to worry about. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it regardless. Um, yeah. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Have a listen. It's um, it's by Yoko. Oh God, here we go. Shimomura. That, yep. I was yep. going to say that. And uh, apparently, he's done a track uh, on Parasite she. Eve. She. 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 Just, just show, show <laughs> she, my ignorance here. She. She is a legend. She worked on Street Fighter Two and Final Fight. She. Wow. She is one of the great composers. Yeah. She started at Capcom back in the um, back in the eighties. Yeah. She's a legend. Because I was filling out our little spreadsheet here, and, and it automatically filled in. I was like, hold on, what's, what's, you yeah. what's she done before? So I scrolled up, and it was Parasite E2, and what, mm-hmm. what a flip, do you know what I mean, between the, the Squaresoft game and a uh, Nintendo game. It just, just proves their uh, flexibility, I guess. And Yeah, she composed brilliant. all but three of the original Street Fighter II um, tunes from the, from, from the World Warrior, but she's also worked on uh, Front Mission and Breath of Fire, Legend of Mana. Yeah, she's mm. amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So yeah, Try Try Again by Yoko Shimomura.
So any plans now you've done the half marathon? Have you, do, mm. uh, have you done more than one half marathon? I've done three in total. Three half marathons, one and a half marathons. Any plans to uh, extend this out? No? No, no. It's, um, it's, I want to, and every time I finish a half marathon, your brain's like, you could do a full one, and then you take a little bit of time off because you need to repair your, your bones and your muscles, and then you kind of like go, I can't be bothered, and then you just, yeah, yeah exercise is a, is a new thing for me that I've been doing for the last sort of year, and well, nearly two years now. And it's such a thing that feeds on itself. Like, if you do it, you do it a lot. But as soon as you take a break, you tend to not, you know, you, it's, it's easy not to do it. And I'm in, I'm in the phase where it's easy not to do it. So, you, yeah, I've just done a half marathon in Birmingham. And it was quite interesting to go back to a place where I did my first one. It's quite nostalgic that way. And, you know, I see Paul shot and he was, he was an inspiration for me to start running and lose my man breasts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, he's doing marathon. He's, I think he's just done his full marathon and he said it's really good mm. um so i'm thinking about it but that's probably about as far as i'll ever go yeah my running friends all said you know that, oh they're ne- they're, i'll never do a marathon and they do a marathon and then they say oh, i'll never do another marathon they do another marathon yeah. and it becomes uh, they they get addicted to the endorphins it is a crazy rush mm. that you do really kind of look forward to but get getting to that point of elation is a uh, is is um it's a nightmare <laughs> me i'm just losing my my uh 40 something man breasts by eating a lot less food yeah which that works. also works yeah right on to joshua garrity and uh his first pick which is also uh well i say also the last one was was a nintendo track of course but this is a capcom track uh from the stable of uh shimamura um so but this is uh masakazu sugimori who we've heard from before as well and the game is phoenix right josh why have you picked this one um, so I recently completed the first Phoenix Wright, and um, it, it was kind of part of my ongoing urge to try and uh, complete all the games that I think are classics or people consider classics or what have you, or just games that are held in quite hell regard, uh, high regard, and uh, trying to kind of you know scratch those off of my list and try and get them all done. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I mainly um, went back to Phoenix Wright because of Ghost Trick, which we covered in issue 42 of Kane and Rince. Um, that is a game that I have a lot of affection for. And mm. uh, knowing that the team who worked on Ghost Trick originally worked on this Phoenix Wright and then uh, that trilogy of games, um, I think they... Uh, that group kind of moved on as it went into the later entries into the series but the mm. first three games were the ghost trick team and um yeah i was struck by again how much of um sugimori's uh, soundtrack really felt like it was it wasn't it wasn't just a soundtrack where it felt like he composed some great music it felt like he was actually part of the development process of this game and was really paying paying attention to the different beats and different moments of um you know the courtroom sequences and uh trying to capture the momentum and and kind of atmosphere and feel of certain moments during court cases and there are certain recurring themes throughout the game that kind of play at key moments during the court cases and uh, Pursuit Cornered is the track that plays when you've basically gotten a witness to fully admit everything. They're just shaking in their chair and, and everything, all the truth is spewing out of them. And it just, it fills those moments with a great sense of elation um, and, and makes the player feel like, yes, finally, we've cracked the case. And I, I just, I love the energy that all of his music um, injects into these scenes that I think would be lesser without the soundtrack. I think Phoenix Wright is definitely one of those games where the presence of the soundtrack is essential in a lot of ways to give the game the feel it has, because otherwise it would just be a, an episode of Law and Order. But with with uh, with that soundtrack, it becomes this wacky, crazy courtroom drama. Um, that's yeah just so much fun Uh, so this is Pursuit uh, Cornered by Masakazu Sugimori
excellent urgent stuff there from uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney or Gyakuten Saiban. Turnabout Trial, as it was originally known on the GBA in Japan back in the early 2000s. Uh, now you can play Phoenix Wright on the DS, on the PC, on the 3DS, uh, on the iOS things. Um, don't know if there's an Android version. Guess there isn't. Um, one of the reasons uh, Ghost Trick was back in our minds uh, recently was because uh, it was one of the games that um, was pulled from the Apple Store after the recent uh, major iOS upgrade uh, because it was incompatible and it looked for a little bit there like it might not come back, which would have made a lot of people very sad. But fortunately, uh, Capcom saw fit to update it and it is now back you can download it again uh, if you've downloaded it before you can buy it for the first time it's back on the app store that's ghost trick um i think phoenix right is also there in a sort of trilogy format isn't it yeah uh, which you can buy episodically or, or whatever um suffice to say that phoenix right uh, is one of our most requested uh, games to cover uh watch this space is all i'm going to say about that Next up, we have uh, another short one. This is from uh, me, and this is an odd one because it's not like a tune as such that I particularly love. It's not like a piece of music that's been with me for years and years. But in fact, it's one of those pieces that because I associate it so closely with a very specific time in my life, the autumn <laughs> of 1993, to be exact, that I've barely listened to it since. But when I do listen to it now and pretty much anything from the same soundtrack, it is properly, you know, it transports me back to being age 21 at that point in my life, having recently moved out of home and got together with the girlfriend. And, um, you know, just, you know how some piece of music can, can just absolutely put you in the time and place. <laughs> and this is from Soccer Kid. Now, you know, um, there, were, there were a number of uh, uh, football-based platformers uh, came out in the uh, in this in this period actually i suppose if you go all the way up to go go beckham uh, hmm. it was there was quite a long gap because that was early 2000s but i've often joked about doing um doing a, a, a trilogy series with uh, soccer kid marco's magic football and go go beckham on on cane and rinse um that won't be coming up in the next volume but uh, but i still i still uh, plan to do it someday although soccer kid i never finished because it gets really really hard um this was by uh, a british software house chrysalis and one of the things i really like about it is it harks back to a time when um English UK based software houses would often just include sort of snapshots of urban life in their games. So you would get a game like Jack the Nipper or um, mm. Kickstart with its Rochester course or uh, or Back to School, I suppose, which, you know, sort of precursor to Bully, which would just have little, you know, just little glimpses into into normal, ordinary uh, urban or suburban UK life. And Soccer Kid uh came along after a lot of you know console platformers had hit the market there's there's a real sonic the hedgehog influence in there both musically and in terms of the way it plays although you've got a football um it's also like a really much far more refined in my opinion version of zool which was you know hugely popular but i always thought played terribly hmm. soccer kid was a really interesting uh game in that you had this whole extra set of maneuvers with with the ball you know you could do keepy uppies you could do overhead kicks you use the ball to collect things and to knock over enemies it had these big bright colorful sprites especially the aga version but uh this tune uh is called hometown and it's from uh the level level at the start and the uh chrysalis studio um which you know it was a, it was a fairly big name back in the uh, 8 and 16 bit days and it was based in rotherham and the hometown level is a rainy rotherham street basically so you've got a you know a british kid kicking a football along a rainy british street and that that charm combined with the fact that this piece of music just takes me back to being 21 years old is uh, why we're about to listen to it now.
Yeah, hopefully uh, you will have got the fully uh, divided split stereo version from the Amiga there. So um, if you're listening on headphones, that's probably done your head in a bit. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but that's the way it was back then. Uh, Matt Furness was one of those names. He's not necessarily somebody that sort of gets um, touted about as, as, you know, like one of the um, maestros of the era. But actually, he was responsible for an awful lot of, of uh, some very jolly, um, likeable music from, you know, late 80s all the way up to sort of 2000 across multiple games, many, many formats, um, lots of Mega Drive conversions of, of Amiga games and things like that. So, uh, yes, credit to Matt Furness there. Now for something completely different. Uh, as is our way on Sound of Play. This, uh, I can't sort of can't believe we haven't finished this before, but then uh, f- featured this before. But then again, I suppose we've only done 28 of these podcasts. Uh, we've certainly featured the uh, composer before, Uematsu, and uh, this one is the prelude. Follow My Ruin requested it, and he says. In what feels like the podcast suggestion equivalent of shooting fish in a barrel, I'd like to put forward the Final Fantasy prelude. While they're all largely variations on a theme, I've shared the prelude from Final Fantasy IX for the arbitrary reason that I like it most. Uematsu famously composed this in only 10 minutes, which belies the fact that it's one of the only persistent threads that runs through this important series. It's a beautiful and simple track, and a true prelude to some of the heavier pieces in the games themselves. I like the prelude to Nine in particular, as it's like a lullaby, which evokes a sense that you're drifting off to sleep before going into the game. I doff my hat to Uematsu for this gem. still mainly associate the Final Fantasy prelude with 7 because I think it was my first Final Fantasy mm. um, and that version still haunts me but uh, but yeah I do like the different variations I do really like that um, that prelude we just heard um, the, the you know the, the variation on the theme I should say it reminds me of starting a Zelda game and hearing that you know the um, the save menu music absolutely yeah yeah the sort of fairy music yeah, yeah you know and I, i've never finished a final fantasy game the furthest I ever got no. was 
uh, seven where your buggy breaks down and I got lost and uh, I couldn't mm. actually find my way out of disc three, I think, or disc two. Um, but yeah, uh, that is a really nice piece of music. I, I really enjoy that. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it is so simple, but at the same time, like, less is more in that case. Mm-hmm. Josh, you a fan? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I've played and completed more Final Fantasy games than both of you. I'm just mm. assuming that, but um, yeah, no, you are, yeah, yeah, no, you're but, right. Um, you're definitely right. <laughs> but um, uh, like Leon, I, I think I associate it most with Seven, just because again, that was my first Final Fantasy game, and and ultimately, I think with that series, your first one is going to be the one that leaves the biggest impression. So that's the piece of music that I think of when I think of this theme. Now, as is usual, the crashing juxtaposition of the sublime and the ridiculous. Here we go. Darren, what have you got for us? Well, it was going to be from a CD that I picked up in Tokyo, uh, a a heavy metal uh, band called We Are Rockmen. They they cover Mega Man tunes. And we listened to it Mm. as we landed back from Japan. And we listened to it just to remind ourselves how amazing Japan and Tokyo is. But then my brain started... You know, going down a little rabbit hole of music and Japanese games that had crazy music in. And uh, I was reminded, but, but purely just by thinking that uh, I used to be heavily, heavily into Dance Dance Revolution during the craze. You know, the PS1 era where everyone was buying dance mats and even the crazier people were buying the heavy dance mats that you could, mm-hmm. like, I thought it was like... Plastic or metal, yeah. But yeah, the metal ones that were like, you know, you couldn't move them if, no matter how hard you stood on them. And... I was really into this game, though, I should say, Dance Dance Revolution. It, it's it's kind of hard to tell which version you're playing, depending on which region, and, you yeah. know. But this this one, Dynamite Rave by um, Naoki Mida, I'm going to say. Excuse me for the bad pronunciations. Mm. Uh, it's from Dance Dance Revolution 5th Mix, and in Milton Keynes, in the escape where the, um, the, the snow and the skiing and the stuff happens, there used to be an arcade underneath. There's still an arcade there now. But it doesn't feature the Dance Dance Revolution. Um, there used to be an arcade that mm. did. It was underneath, um, kind of underneath the ski slopes and all the fancy stuff. It was kind of it was kind of really dark and mysterious. And in the corner, there was a Dance Dance Revolution m- machine. And I got really into playing this game, uh, particularly this song, in which I played it so much that I was one of those show-offs that could press the button combo. I think it's left, down, right, down left and you could turn the arrows off so what i used to do is turn the arrows off and play it back to front so i used to watch the crowd watch me as i was playing this oh, song but it was the only song i could ever do it in Showboat. because yeah it was um and honestly like people were really impressed by silly things that you can do on arcades it was they were like oh my god how did you do that like you felt like a little mini pop star in your own little bubble for like mm-hmm. a split second when people were like coming up to you afterwards and you're like this is really weird um yeah but this song I, I know all the words, obviously, because I've heard it, but you know, a hundred times, maybe more. And um, once upon a time, when I was in London, I was on a on a first date with a girl, and we were both well into this game. Uh, I've totally forgotten uh, her name. I think it was Sophie. And I, I, was do- I was doing the things that I was doing back to front. I was wearing some very tight trousers, and they split, and my bum was on the show. Suffice <laughs> um, to say, there wasn't a second date. It was over. But, um, oh, I would have thought, if anything, there'd be a second, third, fourth, fifth uh, date. The, the the nervous Darren of today was only exa- you know exacerbated a million fold, and it was, <laughs> it was probably me who said no to the second date because I was so shy. And uh, this is Dynamite Rave uh, by Naoki Mida, Dance Dance Revolution, fifth mix. Stay with the flow, stay on 
Yeah, so um, speaking of arcade shops, because I remember watching, uh, you know, this was a big craze. I think you can still find one or two dancing stage machines uh, there and about. I've seen them in London, seen them in Brighton, I think. Um, and this was a big deal, and there was a brief home craze. Uh, you know, mm. just I think this sort of, sort of predated the Wii stuff because I remember mm, like yeah. regular folks, uh, you know, at work and that non-gamey types buying dance mats for Christmas and, Definitely. and dance dancing uh, dancing uh, dance yeah dancing stage Europe mix or whatever mm. it was called over here on the PS One. Um, but I remember watching some astonishing uh, arcade. Uh, showboating from like the Trocadero and stuff where uh, these people would be, you know, they'd be playing the hardest songs on the hardest Afro Nova. God, right. Afro Nova, yeah. Oh. And, and just like, it's a proper, you know, it's proper, it's like Britain's got talent level of stuff going on there. <laughs> uh, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I mean that, you know, like some one of the good dance troops or whatever, mm. but it's someone who's got a real level of skill and fitness and, and whatever. Um, but they would do things like they would um, like run a lap of the arcade between bars, you know, between phrases and stuff like that. Uh, it was just insane. But I totally know what you're saying about... Um, sort of the arcade show-off thing and it, it uh, something it, it just just struck me now because it's part of the the gaming culture that's pretty much gone which you know makes me sad but i suppose it's kind of metamorphosed into the kind of sharing clips kind of thing which which isn't the same because you haven't got you know spontaneous applause mm-hmm. um you know like i remember completing arcade games and getting a crowd back in the 80s and it was you know it was a real you know sort of pose real show-off thing you know and it was great for a you know little nerdy kid to actually have somebody like applauding your actions for once um but yeah it's not something not something that really happens anymore sadly. No. well when we were in tokyo i was watching a guy playing tekken 7 this is yeah. back in april uh, are they not happy with us watching them play games because are they really shy or do they just not approve of it i don't know but he was um he was giving me the look mm. as to say, yeah, can you not watch me anymore, please? Um, but I was also watching another guy play a card game, a football, a soccer card game. Yes, yeah, that's, that's massive over there, the Sega one, yeah. yeah. It was over here for a bit, and I, I did actually start playing that. It was pretty cool, but it's a bit of a money and time sink. Yeah. And I think the guy playing, I don't know if I told the story before, actually, but I think the yeah. guy, guy playing was a bit embarrassed when two mm. white guys, me and my brother, walked over, mm. and his team was Newcastle. And, they were oh, co- right. and, it, and it was called White Trash. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was just kind of smoking because that's what they do in arcades. They, do, they yeah. were they were smoking. Yeah. He was smoking away, and he had like this kind of like shy but smug smirk on his face, like white trash. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I can't believe two white guys walk behind me. White trash. It was quite. It was kind of funny. I just laughed and just carried on watching the weird Even soccer though- game. It's, it's yeah those were those were cool those games i don't yeah little deck of player cards and everything um yeah i think uh I, there isn't even though I, i've you know given up smoking for some years now i would love to just go over to japan and spend a week in an arcade smoking and playing video games that Brilliant. would be like heaven i, I don't even smoke uh, but i i really yeah. like passive yeah. smoking <laughs> yeah. i really like the smell because yeah. everyone around me does it so i'm used to it and yeah. um when, when i when someone smokes outside I, I you know i catch it and it relaxes me a little bit it does um so going into an arcade where people are playing these crazy video games and smoking i yeah i was kind of in my element as a non-smoker it's really weird enough of these arcade tales <laughs> uh well actually it's not because there's a link here we've, we've just heard a little bit about tekken and you were saying you were asking there darren about you know whether to watch or not I, i'm sure i'm sure just like over here it varies from person to person yeah, of course. in fact i liked sometimes i like being watched i like being watched when it was a game i was good at i didn't like being watched when it's a game i was bad at which which still you know still still the case now like i, I mean i don't i don't tend to stream but i think i'd only stream me playing something i was pretty confident that i was all right at because what having people watching you doing badly at something is just really it makes it worse doesn't it it's just really gets you really angry but tekken tekken uh so that you you were watching seven but if some years ago now uh predecessor came out called tekken five and josh has brought a track from that game yes so um i brought the track uh i'm here now from tekken five now usually this is the part where i name a composer that's Mm. uh made this track but um as is the case with uh japanese games it's really hard if there are multiple composers to kind of find out who in particular Mm. composed an individual just name two of them just name just name the two of them oh um uh, here's the thing, uh, Leon. 
Uh, Tekken 5, in an unusual case, I, I, I would say, it mm. has 17 composers. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to name them all because at, cer- at a certain point I'm going to trip over embar- and embarrass myself or pronounce somebody's name wrong. So I'll just say that there are 17 composers for Tekken 5. I don't know which uh, one of them composed this track, but if you want to see the full list of names, <laughs> go look up Tekken 5 and uh, find out for yourself. But um, yeah... Um, it's it's a bit odd that this track is actually called I'm Here Now because, mm. um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Tekken 5 kind of has two openings. The first opening is uh, with um, Heihachi Mishima and Kazuya and they've just woken up because Devil Jin... Look, the Tekken mythology is really weird, people. Mm. Um, so Devil Jin had flown out of the temple and those guys are like, what's going on? And then a bunch of jacks kind of get uh, shot into the temple and they have a fight. That's the first opening. And then the second opening is terrible. Um, and it has this um, track, uh, that, like this J-pop track that actually has the lyrics... I'm here now in it. Mm. And so it's really odd that the track before that one is called I'm here now. But anyway, the reason Uh why I've picked this one is, um, I, um, I really love this first opening, even though it is absolutely like the most ridiculous thing you can think of. It's, a bunch of middle, you know, two middle-aged men fighting off a bunch of robots, um, doing crazy Dragon Ball Z punches and what have you. But the sequence is so perfectly in time with this piece of music um, that it just makes the whole thing feel like a dance sequence. And and I I know I've said that kind of in the past but this really really does feel like a music video in a lot of ways just the way the the fight sequence is choreographed and shot it feels like it's not it's not the music it's not like the music's been composed for that scene it's almost like the scene has been choreographed uh, to this music like this music mm. has already been composed and the the animators are trying to kind of match it um yeah and i just um tekken 5 in general i think has a really strong techno kind of um dancehall soundtrack i'm not usually a fan of that genre of music but for whatever reason i think tekken 5 kind of represents a lot of the the best examples of that genre for me at least from the japanese scene um i there are a couple of duds here and there i'm not a fan of the second opening like i say uh, like i said but um this track in particular is really great so uh, this is i'm here now
in Here Now by one of 17 composers. Uh, even though I've earned, uh, owned multiple versions of that game on PS2, um, PSP and PS3, I don't remember the two different intros, but I do know that uh, the two different intros thing is kind of a series staple for tech. And even if you go back to the originals um, on arcade and PS1, the PS1 versions would have both the arcade original opening, which would be shorter and simpler generally, and then they would have the uh, CD, you know, the sort of CGI uh, intro. So I wonder if it, it, it might be that, that the Tekken, one of the intros might be the arcade intro and, and one of them might be the home retail um, sort of expansive CG intro. If you remember, Tekken 3 had a CG intro, but it also had the Embu, which was the amazing um, sort of uh, choreographed, again, it was a sort of choreographed sequence with uh, lots of the characters doing their moves to a, to a different tune. That was well funky. I was thinking of bringing some Tekken music actually, but um, that Embu tune might have been one of the ones, but I was also thinking there's one from the very first Tekken. Some of the music, I think, is, is is not aged very well, but there's a couple of tunes which, I, again, talking about pieces of music that transport you back, remembering that Christmas when I first got Tekken, 1995, and just being just staggered by the the level of uh, graphics that were on display and uh, and audio visual fidelity and stuff it was uh, it was a very exciting time um, hard to imagine now when you look at tekken's blockiness and whatever but uh, i'm sure some of you some of you were there now i found a way of uh, getting in a track by a real band that i really like uh, because they wrote a song especially for a game and it's uh, and it is part of that uh, soundtrack of uh, from portal 2 and i mentioned it on our portal 2 podcast back in uh, podcast Cambridge podcast issue 130 we also did the original portal in uh, 126 and uh, it's by the national an american band of uh, two sets of brothers and the singer and lyricist matt Berninger or Berninger, I've never been sure. Um, they're, uh, they're quite a sort of moody band, but they do an awful lot with a very limited palette. I think it's fair to say that's not to say they're not talented because they're extremely talented. But they, they, I think people who wouldn't enjoy their music would find would say that it probably all sounded a bit the same. But I actually think within their sound, they do a lot of interesting stuff. Um, I've got many of their albums and, and I enjoy them all. I'm a particular fan of Alligator, which I think from about 2005. Um, but yeah, this is this is a track that's uh, I think only heard in the game via uh, a tinny radio that you can find somewhere. But it seems to relate generally, and, and that seems to time with this, it seems to relate to the, uh, the is it Doug Ratman? The, the story that came out of the Ratman Dens from the first game. Um it's worth seeking this out on YouTube because somebody's made a, a sort of a animated video to go with it, which tells the story of the song. But the song, this song, you know, like the Nationals output is a lot, um, it's kind of a lot more serious and brooding and darker than actually the tone of, of you know, the comedic tone of Portal, albeit with, with sort of slightly scary bits. But uh, anyway, I really like it. Beautiful piano, beautiful orchestration. I love uh, Matt Berninger's uh, baritone. Um, so here it is, an actual song. Your mind 
vilify from portal 2 by the national now remember sound of play isn't just about what we like so we need you to continue to venture over to our forum at canerince.com uh, where you should uh, you should anyway because you know it's growing there's lots of people there it's friendly it's intelligent it's unlike most game forums in that regard where you can request your favourite songs uh, or other curios and oddities, as long as they're not licensed tracks, unless there's a special reason. Yeah. Uh, we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for every regular Sound of Play show that we do. Uh, there's, a, there's a particular thread, a Sound of Play submissions thread in the Sound of Play folder, um, where we like you to give us a little reason why you're requesting something and, uh, and share a link with us as well. That's ideal. Please also remember to leave Sound of Play an iTunes review or a review on whatever other platform you get it on or just engage with us in some way on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. We like all that. Now, somebody who has done a request, made a request, is uh, he's a friend of the show, but I think that's OK. Uh, Catatonic Gnarly, or John, uh, has requested that we finish with uh, a track from the original Panzer Dragoon. Now, we've featured music from uh, other games in the series before, but uh, strong soundtracks all the way through, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, John says, My only memory and knowledge of Panzer Dragoon was playing it for 15 minutes on a display model Sega Saturn in Hamleys on Regent Street, back in the days when the video game section was relegated to the small back corner on the top floor. This track, Flight, plays over the first level and perfectly accompanies flying on Dragonback above a sea littered with ancient ruins. Even though I only played Panzer Dragoon for a few minutes for the best part of 20 years ago, this piece of music has always stayed in my head. So, before I go, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren. Thanks, Darren. Yes, thank you. And Joshua. Goodbye. 
And this is Yoshitaka Azuma with Flight from the 1995 original Panzer Dragoon by Team Andromeda. Until the next sound of play. Just ignore my request. <laughs> my question, were you wearing pants? You don't want to know the answer. I do. Ignorance is bliss, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> no, never mind.